0: How many of you guys, by show of hands, listen to your music on a streaming service like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music? Just raise your hand if you listen to music like that. Okay. Wow, that divided very neatly, like everybody under 50. And wow. And then Ray Barrett. Good job, Ray. So um, if you don't know what Spotify is or what any of those are, uh, the, the way it works is you pay a monthly fee, I think around $10 a month. And it's as if you owned every recording that was ever made. You can listen to whatever you want until the month ends, and then you've got to pay again. And then it starts all over again, right? A monthly fee to access all of the world's music. And we're learning a lot from this because the apps that people use to listen to this stuff, uh, they have a search bar. And so you can search for whatever kind of music you want. If you want a workout jam, you just type in workout jam, and it'll give you a bunch of uplifting music to work out to. Uh, And so the companies now know what we are searching for and what we want to listen to. And I happened upon some information that broke my heart this week. Uh, For people uh, age 24 and under, there is one thing that they search for the most in the music that they want, and the word is sad. They want sad. They want to listen to sad music. Because they want music that tells them how they feel, which is sad. Uh, We have all sorts of little markers like that in our culture right now that are telling us that there's always been sorrow in the world and there's always been stress and anxiety in the world. But we are living in an especially sorrowful and anxious age. Another mark like this is that uh, only a few years ago in 2019, Uh, 9% of Americans uh, said that they were suffering from symptoms of anxiety disorder. They may not have known they had anxiety disorder. They're showing the symptoms in surveys. 9% in 2019. Uh, That number is now 23% of Americans that are suffering symptoms of an anxiety disorder. Not normal stress, like we're all going through, but a disordered level of anxiety uh, we are at an acute time in history where we are more sorrowful and more stressed out and anxious than maybe we've ever been before in history, despite the fact that we have more riches than any generation that has ever come before us. And the saddest part is that we are not coping well with our sorrow and our stress, uh, Alcohol sales continue to rise. They skyrocketed during the pandemic, and they continue to grow 10% a year. Uh, Pornography use is so prevalent now that 40% of women and 70% of men regularly consume pornography. Uh, Destructive behaviors like suicide and cutting continue to be on the rise. Uh, So many destructive ways that we're coping with the anxiety, with the stress, with the sorrow— And then there are less destructive but not healthy ways like, uh, well, I'm tired again, so I'm just going to binge TV and order DoorDash again, right? Habitual binging and DoorDash ordering or more of us are calling into work without good reason than we were before Uh, Many of us are are depending on leisure to help ourselves cope with all of this. And so camping is exploding and golf is exploding. And I know Bible-believing Christians who have taken a whole summer off of church just to go on a camping trip every weekend and felt like it was enough to just listen to a sermon by a campfire and miss church for the whole summer because they would say, well, this helps me cope with all the stress. Being out here in the woods helps me cope with all of the stress. Now, that's not as destructive as some of the other habits, but I think we can agree it's not, it's not a healthy way to handle stress. You've got to be around the people of God. So we are more stressed and more sorrowful than we have been before. We're not coping well with it as a country. And what I want to tell you over the next eight weeks is that there's a better way. We're going to spend the next eight weeks in a series of Psalms in the book of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And these are the songs that were gathered together for the people of Israel to sing while they were traveling from their hometown up to the mountain of Jerusalem for religious festivals. Three times a year, they would go up there for festivals. They would travel in groups and caravans together, walking on foot, sometimes riding animals, all together, singing the whole way. And after the exile, they gathered together all these psalms that were fit for that journey so that they could sing them together. So there they were. Going from a place where God was far from them to a place where God is near in the temple of Jerusalem. From a place of great sorrow to a place of great joy. Walking a very long and exhausting journey, but walking it together and singing the whole way. Now, Christians, does that sound familiar? That's our life, isn't it? Walking from a place where God is far, right? He's here in some ways in the world, but not like he's present in heaven. To a place where God is near. Walking a long journey that is exhausting to many of us. Weary along the way, but walking together and singing the whole way. So these Psalms give to us a picture of what it's like to walk through a broken, difficult, stressful, sorrowful world. But to know that the place you're headed, the mountain you're climbing is glorious and there's a good view at the end. We're going to spend the next eight weeks in them. There are 15 of these psalms and you need to know from the beginning they're arranged symmetrically. In fact, in the first page of your booklet, you see a little blue diagram there that shows you just how they're laid out. The first one corresponds with the last one. And the second one corresponds with the second to last one and so on until you get to the one in the middle, Psalm 127, which functions as a centerpiece in the whole thing. And so for that reason, we're going to look at them two at a time. Today, we will look at the first and the last together, Psalm 120 and Psalm 134. Let's look at them together. We will see a contrast here between the beginning of the journey and the end of the journey, the starting line of the race and the finish line of the race. Feel this difference with me together as we look at Psalm 120 and Psalm 134. A song of a In my distress... I called to the Lord, and he answered me, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done for you, you deceitful tongue? A warriors, sharp arrows, with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me, for I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Keter. Too long I have had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak there for war. Psalm 134, a song of ascents. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. The words of the Lord. So we see in those two Psalms the contrast between the starting line of your Christian journey and the finish line of your Christian journey. The sorrowful world you are walking through right now to the victory you will feel when you finish the race and make it to the end. So through those two Psalms, the Spirit comforts those who are weary of the hostility and the deceit of this world. Now, if you're new to the Christian faith, I need to lay some groundwork here for you. What is it that we're talking about? Well, it's important to know that all of history is headed somewhere. All of history is headed to a day that is coming closer and closer with each passing second. And that is the day that Jesus Christ returns. He has come once, and he lived, he died, he rose from the dead, and he ascended up into heaven. He promises... He will come back, and when he does, all of this world and all of heaven will be destroyed, and he will make a new heavens and a new earth that are not separate like they are now, but are together. It says the dwelling place of God is with man. The temple of God in heaven will come down to earth, and as a husband and wife say their vows and then are joined forever, uh, heaven and earth will be joined forever. This is where history is heading, and when it does, we will finally find communion with the God that we love face-to-face. It will be like worshiping in the temple was for Israel, the highlight of their year. Like churches for many of us, and should be for all of us, the highlight of our week, it will be that sort of mountaintop when we are there on Mount Zion with our Lord forever and ever face-to-face with Him. And what we're seeing here is the contrast of the way things feel right now walking through this world and the way things will feel then. We see in Psalm 120, the psalmist on the way, just crying out over the deceit and the hostility that is all around him. And then we see him arrive on Mount Zion, where he is surrounded by people who bless the Lord. And so that's the main contrast in this psalm. We've got two contrasts we'll look at. But the main one is this Today, Christian, you are surrounded by lies and hostility. Tomorrow, you will be surrounded by people who bless the Lord. You see that plainly and feel that plainly in Psalm 120 and Psalm 134. Let's look first at the lies and hostility of Psalm 120. This psalmist is crying out in verse 2. He says what he's crying out to be delivered from, lying lips and a deceitful tongue. So these are words that are around him coming from God's enemies that are believable but deceptive. And he has heard the lies over and over again and he is just weary of them so he is crying out to God. And then we see later in the psalm in verses 5 through 7, he says, Woe to me, like he's just sorrowful. He's full of sorrow. I sojourn in Meshach and I dwell among the tents of Keter. Those are two very different places. He probably wasn't literally in either one because he can't literally be in both. They are both places, though, that for the present time are very hostile to the Lord. Now, one of them, Keter, will eventually bring offerings to the Lord. They will come around. But the other one, Meshach, will be the land of, if you know the words Gog and Magog, the great princes of the Antichrist, they will come from Meshach. So one being the people who dislike the Lord now, who rail against him now, but will one day bless him and bring him offerings and the other representing uh, the the great Babylon, the great nation that will eventually rail against the Lord so badly that they bring about the Antichrist. On that range of walking through this world, it is stressful. It's it's difficult. And he says it's difficult because they're hostile. You see that in verse 6. I have my dwelling. I've been too long among those who hate peace. He's weary of it because there's just hostility toward the Lord all around him. He wants peace, he says in verse 7. I'm for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Lord says, when they hate you, keep in mind they hated me first, right? If they rail against God, they will rail against his people. We can be for peace all we want and be sons of peace. But if there's war against us, there's war against us. So he's crying out because for so long he has been suffering under the lies of God's enemies and under the hostility of God's enemies. Now, in the Old Testament, we often don't know what to do with those enemies, right? What do we do with the Amalekites and the Philistines and all those people that are are so bad? We aren't supposed to feel that way about people, are we? Well, no, not exactly. The enemies in the Old Testament teach us about God's cosmic enemies, the four great enemies in the Bible, Satan, sin, death, and the world. So we, we learn how to handle the difficulty of living in a world where Satan is prince and does so much damage, where sin reigns and deceives us all the time, where death is still here and keeps striking those that we love, and where the world builds institutions that rail against Jesus Christ. Uh, that is a world that is hard for the people of God to live in. And that brings up a number of feelings with us. Some of you are weary because of that. And you need words like this to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I am weary of the lies around me. I am weary of the hostility around me. So let me dive in a little more into how those four things can be deceptive and can be hostile toward us. Satan, the great enemy of God, uh, was a liar from the beginning, right? And a murderer from the beginning, Uh, The very first thing he says in the Bible is to Eve, did God really say that, right? Just casting doubt, casting lies, and manipulating. He deceives her into sinning against God. And he has been doing the same thing to all of us ever since. Not just deceiving us into sin, but telling us lies about ourselves. And so, so many of us will wrestle with just straight deception about who we are. Because our enemy is whispering in our ear, you are the strongest person ever, and you can do anything so that you will well up in pride. And then the next minute, whispering in our ear, you are worthless and can do nothing so that we will crash into despair. Uh, Lie after lie after lie, and it just goes right in our ears, and we fall for it, it, and it crushes us. I hear so many people, so many Christians say, like, the hardest part about this is that I I know that this is true, but it really feels like that is true, right? I believe one thing, but I feel another thing, right? Because there's just so much deception even seeping all the way down to our very hearts. He's a liar from the beginning, and his end is hostile, right? He's a roaring lion prowling around seeking someone to devour, He wants you to believe these things because he wants you dead. He wants you walking away from your faith. He wants you as ineffective for the gospel as possible, and so he will keep sowing lies to you. And his children, like sin, sin is so deceptive, isn't it? Uh, We were just reading in Sunday school today the story of Samson and Delilah and some of you know the story, he's a, he's a strong man, he does all these wonderful physical feats, uproots a gate, and carries it 36 miles up a mountain, does all these crazy things. And he's, he's got a secret, his strength is that it's in his hair, if his head is ever shaved, he'll lose all of his spirit-given strength. Uh, and over and over in the story, he goes and visits prostitutes, and he goes and tries to marry the wrong woman, and he just seems to be a slave to his bodily desires, And finally, he meets this woman named Delilah. And she says, tell me the secret to your strength, right? Was they're in bed together. She's seducing him. And and he resists. And she comes more and more after him and presses more and more. And we're reading this story. And it's like, dude, why are you falling for this? Right? He's so dumb. It's easy to see that when you're reading the story, Right? It is hard to see that when Delilah's was in bed with you, because sin is deceptive. It will, it will trick you. Have you ever seen someone just stand up and, and proclaim how important sexual purity and holiness are, uh, especially maybe even a single person, who will take a stand and will say, "I' am going to live in purity, I'm going to live a holy life. If God gives me a spouse, I'll enjoy that. If not, I won't." And then, meet somebody really likes that person, and then is saying things like, well, I mean, we love each other, so it's okay, and we're, we're married in God's eyes, and so it's okay, and we're watching and thinking, well, how, how could you be falling for that, right? Well, because we can too, because sin is deceptive, It will trick you. When you want things you shouldn't want, they will enslave you and trick you, and you will believe the craziest lies to justify what you are doing. Some of us feel it now because we have memories like this in our own hearts, and we know this stuff is deceptive. Sometimes the world comes crashing down around us, and we realize how foolish we have been to fall for sin's lies, and we just want to lament and despair and say, God, like, I don't want to keep living in, in this kind of world where sin will keep manipulating me and keep deceiving me. For too long, I have dwelled like this. For too long, sin has been deceiving me. And so we have words for that in verses, in verse 2. Lord, deliver me from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Right? It is exhausting to have sin lying to you day in and day out. And you need to cry to the Lord, and you have words right there. Death is the same way. It is hostile. I don't know that I could say it's deceptive in the same way, but maybe we could find some way that it is. It is certainly hostile. You can try to make peace with death, but you're not going to make a peace treaty. It's not going to sign, right? Because it's coming for you, because you may be for peace, it is for war and it is coming for those you love, and it is coming for you. And so we have words to speak to the Lord to say, Father, for too long I've had my dwelling in this land where death reigns. I would rather make peace, right? I would rather that this not keep happening and this war stop, but, but it is for war. God, would you, would you help me? And the same is true of the world. Now when I say the world, I don't mean everybody on planet earth, uh, but the scripture talks about the world sometimes to say uh, the the institutions, the the man-made culture that we have built that rails against the Lord. You might be thinking of all of our cultural norms that put pressure upon you to, to say things the Lord would not be pleased with. You might be thinking of all of the TV shows that you, you can hardly watch one that won't have a theme that doesn't dishonor the Lord. All of the music out there, you can go down the top 10 on Spotify or Apple Music, and most of the titles have a word that they have to bleep out, right? All of, all of this that we are building that rails against the Lord. That's the kind of stuff that the scripture is talking about when it says the world. And it's deceptive, isn't it? You can watch one of those shows and they will make you fall in love with a character so that then when they do something that would not please the Lord, you want to sympathize with them. Oh, it's okay. It's not so bad, right? It's, you're being manipulated, right? It's manipulative. Uh, the music is the same way. It sounds so good and it's so alluring, but it is pulling our hearts into sin. And that is exhausting, I, f- I love music and so I find it so exhausting to find good music to listen, it's like a needle in a haystack to find something virtuous to listen to. And so our hearts just cry out with exhaustion saying, Lord, deliver me from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. We have built this whole Western empire and it's just lying to us. If you're weary of that, you've got words in this psalm. Now, Contrast that with the environment in Psalm 134. Now he's at the finish line. He is in the house of God on Mount Zion. And he says, oh, bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place. Bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. The word blessing over and over. Surrounded by people who love Jesus, who love the truth. Surrounded by a God who loves to bless his people. This is a night and day difference from the world that we are walking through right now. And so this contrast shows us the difference between the starting line and the finish line. You may be surrounded by deceit and hostility today. One day you will be surrounded by resurrected saints. One day you will be surrounded by people who speak truth and lift holy hands to the Lord. And if you have a TV in that day, you will turn it on and every single show you could watch will be trustworthy. And every song you could ever listen to will be something you can rely on and trust. And every thought that is ever whispered in your ear will be something that would give you life and not destroy you. Because finally, we'll be free of all those lies and all that hostility. So the contrast is there then to give us hope, right? If God were just going to sustain us forever in this state, that just sounds like a hamster wheel, it doesn't sound very fun. Right? But one day the wheel stops and we get off and things get better. And so we have hope. I want to give you more than hope though. Hope is enough. But we've got in these Psalms even some tools for what to do right now. Right? You haven't arrived yet at Mount Zion. What do you do until then? We've got a couple of things we can do until then. First, cry out to Jesus. We see this very plainly in verse 1. In my distress... I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And the rest of it is that call to the Lord. So what do you do then when you realize you have been deceived by some sin? So if you're thinking of recurring sins that you have in your life, and it feels like it's not a big deal, and then you fall into it, and then you come to and realize, oh, what a fool I have been. I've been deceived. You just want to fall into despair over what you've done. What can you do when you're weary of all those lies and you've fallen for them? First, cry out to Jesus Christ. Call to him in your distress and he will answer you. We know the name of this Lord. When it says the Lord, it is talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can call into him in the distress of sin and he will answer you. And as I said earlier, you have words for it now. Deliver me, Lord, from these lying lips, right? Woe to me that I sojourn in these faraway lands and my dwelling is among those who hate peace. When you are weary of sin and death and Satan and all of the lies, call out to Jesus Christ. Second thing it tells you to do is to seek peace. We see that in verse seven of the first Psalm. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This happens sometimes in the world. Uh, you might think of a, a woman who, works a job downtown and corporate is pushing out the the Pride Month campaign, and so they're handing out you know here are the Pride pins, everybody please wear a Pride pin, and when we have staff meeting, everybody please go around and state your pronouns to support the you know the new transgender agenda, and she's following Jesus and she's saying like that that is not good for people. I can't participate in this, uh, but I want I want peace, right? So. She goes and talks to her managers and says, all right, here are my convictions. Like, here's what I'm willing to do. Here's what I can't do. Uh, What's a way that we can work this out? Because I want this to work. I've been working here 20 years and I want this to work. She might find that her bosses are doing this in earnest and they want peace too. And they're saying, yeah, we want to include everybody, even people who don't agree with us. So you follow your conscience. Sometimes peaceful people do that. And sometimes campaigns like that are truly hostile. And she might find that her managers are doing this to sniff out the Christians so that they can kick them out of the company. And she may have to say, I'm for peace, but, but they're for war. What can she do? Well, she can cry out to the Lord with these very words, and she can just continue to seek peace But not be surprised when the world is at war with us. Jesus said that if they hate the master, they'll hate the servants. If they hate me, they will hate you as well. There will be hostility and we can kind of sense that rising even here in this world. Third thing you can do is, is cling to the church. When we talk about a place where you are surrounded by people who lift up holy hands to the Lord and bless the Lord... The best picture you have of that is right here in this room on a Sunday morning, right? You know what that feels like. And you know what it feels like to walk through the world for six days in a week and feel like you're the crazy one by the end of it, and then walk in here and look around and see your brothers and sisters who love Jesus too and say, oh yeah, I'm not crazy, right? I'm not the only one. Look at all these people, look at all these servants of the Lord who lift up their hands to the Lord. You need that more than you need a camping trip. You need that more than you need another round of golf, right? And too many of us today are thinking that the escape that we need is leisure and rest. I need another fishing trip. I need another camping trip. I need another cruise, right? I need more rest and relaxation. You might need rest and relaxation, but what you need to help soothe your heart after the lies and hostility of the world is one day out of seven, right here in this room, hearing the truth and seeing your brothers and sisters lift their hands. It is, it is those relationships that I think we can say in this world where, when there's enough of a mental health crisis, it is these relationships that are helping to keep you sane, right? I'm being lied to and manipulated all week. You need brothers and sisters. You don't need to cut yourself off from that community. You need to dive deeper into the sound community that you are part of. So cling to the church because it's the best picture you've got of Psalm 134. So that's the first contrast, the main contrast in this psalm of your surroundings. Today you are surrounded by lies and hostility. Tomorrow you will be surrounded by people who bless the Lord. So take heart, finish the course. There's a second contrast, too. When Jesus comes back, it says his winnowing fork is in his hand. And that means he is going to separate the good stuff from the bad stuff. All of the stuff that's not supposed to be here in the world. You ever get the sense that things are not how they're supposed to be here? Well, you're right. All, right? all of that stuff is, is going. And, and what will remain is the good stuff. And he talks of that separation here. Uh, One way we could say it is that those who continue to curse Jesus will be cursed forever. And those who continue to bless Jesus will be blessed forever. Now this is true of people, but it is also true of those great cosmic enemies, sin and Satan and death as well. And we see pictures of that right here in Psalm 120, particularly verse 3 and 4. It's a, it's a pointed imagery. It's a biting picture. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done for you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows and glowing coals of the broom tree. Now, sharp arrows, I probably don't have to tell you what that means, but you can probably feel that. Uh, The broom tree had wood, especially roots, that burned really hot and burned for a long time. So it made really good coals. So stuff would really sizzle when you made broom tree coals and put it on there. And so the picture we need to make here is of those great cosmic enemies. Satan, sin, death, all those worldly institutions that are getting us. Shot through with arrows, sizzling on burning coals. Of a broom tree So some of us in the room right now are, are haunted by, by death, like even by a recent death of somebody we love. And, and I actually heard someone say recently, like, "I hate this. I hate right We hate death. It is just so awful. And, and what a comfort can you feel the comfort to know that one day death itself will be shot through with sharp arrows? And we'll be sizzling on burning coals. Never to haunt us again. The same is true for those sins that keep haunting you. Maybe you can think of particular sins that keep deceiving you. And you're just so tired of them. I hope you hate them. You can think of those particular sins. Maybe put a word to them and just imagine them shot through with arrows sizzling on the glowing coals of the broom tree. That sin that keeps haunting you will not haunt you forever because the Lord will come and the Lord will crush it. The same goes for our great enemy, Satan, uh, who will be shot through with the arrows, who was crushed the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and will be crushed forever. And it is true of the worldly institutions that rail against Jesus and even the people who rail against Jesus. We don't celebrate that one yet, but we do embrace it as true, right? Uh, Some of these people that we dwell among every day are like Keter. Today, uh, they they curse the Lord, but one day they're going to bless the Lord, right? One day they're going to come into the kingdom. And we're trying to find every last one of them and pull them into the kingdom by bringing the gospel to them. And some of them are like Meshach, who will continue to rail more and more against the Lord until they finally hate him forever. And in this age, the call upon us is to be all things, to all people, to bring as many of the people of Keter as we can into the house of God. While our hearts are struck with the fact that those who continue to curse him will one day be shot through with arrows and one day on the glowing coals of the broom tree. So this is a motivation for now. These are people we love, a motivation to Bring the gospel to them. Find everyone who lives in the tents of Keter and bring them in by bringing the gospel to them. So we've got stark imagery there. On the flip side of it, in Psalm 134, we see the people who continue to bless the Lord are blessed forever. You feel that difference, I bet. Verse 3, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So, we will be dwelling there in his new kingdom. And I don't know quite how the real estate situation is going to work there, but but if you could imagine maybe, I don't know, living out in, in some pasture land the Lord gives you and the word comes from the great house on high where the Lord lives. A flaming cherubim or seraphim of a servant brings word to you and says... Uh, the master wants to have you in his house tonight again to bless you. And he calls you again to his table and you're brought before the table of the Lord because he was looking over the records and he says, oh, it's been, it's been almost 24 hours since I gave an enormously generous gift to this person. So he calls you into his presence again and you sit and you dine with him and you just enjoy him. And then he says, I know you feel like I've given you so much. I have more to give you, right? The Lord just sitting on his holy hill, blessing all of his people from Zion. With greater portions of himself and greater portions of his wealth. This is what is coming to us when we dwell in the house of the Lord forever, when we are one of his people forever. What a stark contrast. So what do we need to do about that, right? Again, we got hope there. I hope your heart is aflame with hope that we can make it to the end. But what do you want to do right now? Well, first of all, bless Jesus Christ. Come to him and bless him. Sing his praises here every Sunday. Go out into the world and bless his name everywhere. Some of you, I need to call to Jesus Christ because you've lived your life in rebellion against him so far. Uh, But I want you to know, if you're not his, he has made a way back for you. You can come to him Uh, Because though we have sinned against him and brought judgment on ourselves, he has died to pay for the sins of everyone who would come to him for forgiveness. You can go freely to Jesus right now, who hears your prayers and holds forgiveness in an open hand, and say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I trust you. Will you forgive me of my sin? You will find there forgiveness for sins. You will find life forevermore, resurrection from the dead on the last day, all these blessings that we're talking about. You'll find good guidance and rules for this life so you can live a good life even here under a good Lord. Oh, you will find so much in His name. So come to Him and, and bless Him. Those of you that follow Him now, bless His name out loud, right? Those who bless the Lord will be blessed forever. Don't keep to yourself what He has done for you. Don't sing half-heartedly what he has done for you in this room, right? Those of you that are shouting amen, more power to you, right? He has done good things. Bless the name of the Lord forever. It also means for us to stay the course, right? right? We're, we're at the starting line now. We're at Psalm 120, and one day we'll make it all the way to 134, but, but we got a ways to go, and every step of the way, you're going to have to cling to his name, So so don't lose heart, right? There is a a house in heaven waiting for us. Uh, Stay the course, cling to Jesus Christ. A couple months ago, I took a hike with my dad, um, which is, it was wonderful, but sometimes it feels like a mistake to do because my dad is like a champion hiker, and so he is gonna like go for it. And so about two miles into a hike with my dad, sometimes it's like, I don't know if I should have done this. Right, like catching my breath, like trying to keep up with him all the way up a mountain. And we went up this mountain called Mount Leconte, which is one of the highest mountains in the Smoky Mountains. And we walked all day to get up to the top. We had tents, or not tents, but uh, backpacks with sleeping bags and food and a stove and all kinds of stuff. So a heavy pack on our back. And it was just a long and and exhausting journey. We got up there and my brother-in-law immediately went to sleep at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. He He was exhausted, right? It wore us out. We get up there. It's a long road. We're walking it together. Uh, We're tired. My son was not tired. That was strange, but anyway, Um, and it's time for sunset, and we go from this mountaintop, and some of you have seen pictures of the Smokies or you've been there, and you can see layers of like two or three or four mountains, and they get more and more hazy. Uh, From this mountaintop, I could not count how many layers. It just kept going on and on and on, And the sun went down and all of that haze that the mountains are filled with lit up like smoke from a fire. And it just looked like all of the mountains were one big forest fire, just glowing orange of smoke. And it was breathtaking. The climb was long, but the top was worth it. And that's what I want to leave you guys with today this journey we're on to the house of God, it's a long climb. And two miles in, you might be thinking, was this a mistake? This is pretty hard while you're catching your breath, right? But Christian, I promise you, cling to Jesus the whole way. When you make it to the top, it will be worth it. Let's pray together.